All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of Heart of the Order brought to you by ThoughtsFromTheBench.com. My name is Greg McAfee. I'm hitting in the three-hole, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Malik, hitting in the four-hole, and Trey Fry hitting in the five-hole. Got an exciting episode today, guys. Everything from young players making a name for themselves in the major league level to we give our first power rankings of the season. It's an exciting episode. Stay tuned. Here we go. Too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling his vultures. Negative, nepotist. Everybody waiting for the fall of man. Everybody praying for the end of times. Everybody hoping they could be the one. I was born to run. I was born for this. Race, race, race. All right, welcome back to episode 11 of Heart of the Order. I'm Greg McAfee here with Greg Malik and Dre Fry. Boys, it's been another week of an exciting baseball in major leagues. How are we doing? Not too shabby, man. It's a, it's a good day. Easter was this past weekend. Uh, got to eat a lot. I broke my sobriety, so I'm in a great mood right now. So uh, let's talk some baseball. I'm in a great mood. I'm happy, uh, especially for Greg, considering he is now drinking again, which is nice. Welcome back <laughs> to the party, my friend. And uh, thank you, you know, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. It's it's real nice because we're we're really about to end the month of April here, so we're in full baseball's in full swing. The weather's breaking. It's beautiful outside. You know, I I can't be happier myself. That makes. I mean, ba- this time of baseball is always exciting because you like teams are starting to finally like kind of round out, and you're starting to like figure out the pretenders from the real from the real teams who's actually going to kind of carry it through the the dog days of summer and things like that and it's it's an exciting time especially in Pittsburgh with how the pirates are playing but overall in baseball you got a lot of teams that we didn't expect to be where they are um and it's always fun to see those kind of teams kind of get an early start and the, you know the guys who we thought were going to be top dogs kind of get off to a slow start but Greg, again, I'm I'm giving you a virtual cheers right now. Um, welcome back to the dark side of being able to drink alcohol. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. We did uh, yeah. we did we did a Monday episode of Two Beers Deep yesterday uh, with our uh, dueling mocks, and I was able to drink on camera for the first hey, time in six weeks. So hey. it felt good. All good. I saw. Thing, my man. I saw like the thumbnail of the of the video, and I was like, they both look lit right now. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we can get right into it, guys. Um, a couple episodes ago, we we started our favorite moment of the week um segment of the heart of the order podcast so let's get back to that we kind of skipped over it last week just because of all the news that was going down with the mlb and cuma cuba um, agreement dilemma so let's get right back into that um i want i kind of want to start off this week because i just want to get the red Sox out of the way to be honest i don't want to talk about them (laughs) i don't want to i don't want to talk about them extensively tonight we talk about them every episode so i'm just going to get it out of the way they swept dre's tampa bay rays this weekend boom 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 Christian Vasquez ended one of the games with a pickoff at first base. It was awesome to see. Um, and they're, I don't want to consider them back yet. Nathan Eovaldi is going to the IL, but they called up Michael Chavez to play second base a little bit. It's great to see. I think they're on the right, I think they're on the right path, but who knows what will happen. They dropped a game in Detroit today. We'll see. But I just wanted to get that one out of the way, guys. So off to you. 
right. All right. So uh, I, I would have gone with uh, Clayton Kershaw making his return to the mound this week, but uh, honestly, he, he doesn't, he, he didn't come up with a dominant performance. It wasn't too terrible of a, of a week for him, but the number one moment for me this week, it's gotta be Freddie Galvis, man. Oh yeah. That was one of the, Freddie Galvis had probably one of the coolest plays you will see all year. And it was the first month of the year going back on a, uh, on, you know, just a, a blooper and like short center field. He runs back, goes backward and makes a barehanded catch in center field. Barehanded catches are one of the hardest things to pull off in baseball because it's honestly dangerous. You could break a finger, you can fracture your hand or your wrist even on something like that, depending on how it fits. It's a risky play, but when you are able to do it, it looks so cool. And my tip of the cap to Freddie Galvis for pulling off one of the best plays of the year. Do you, do you think he like intentionally meant to like catch it with his bare hand? Because on some of those plays, you see guys like kind of just like flail the arms out and like oh they caught it. Like it's, it's lucky sometimes, but other times like guys are there. There's no chance they make a play with the glove and they just kind of stick their hand out there and it's like oh yeah I got this. Like they're just that. I think good. it was mu- I think it was muscle memory because yeah. like the way that he was because the way that he was running like the ball was coming to his right side. So mm-hmm. I guess he, it was like a four a habit where he kind of thought oh my hand is closer i'm just gonna do that and that's something that's kind of scary because like you've seen you've seen guys try to catch foul balls in the stands with their bare hand and you could very easily break a finger with that so tip of the cap to freddie galvez didn't break anything on that either and it is gonna look cool for you although i'm willing to bet he got yelled at by his manager for making a dumb play like that more than (laughs) likely more than likely i'm sure the manager appreciated the out oh absolutely dre what you got for us I gotta say, Greg, I am which which one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I gotta say, Malik. You know that really that really took me by surprise, uh, just because I thought that you were gonna talk about the Pirates. Ooh. Well, I wanted to let you do that because I know how you are with that. So uh, by all means, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you did. But you know, I am not gonna talk about the Pirates. I also have wow. A, I have a nice defensive to play. And it was the Ramon Lomoreno robbery. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Launched from center field all the way, not even to first base. He almost threw it in the stands on a fly in first base. And the catcher just so happens to be backing up, I believe it was uh, Fegley, Josh Fegley. And, you know, he whips it over to second one. The runner, you know, tagged first, thought the ball was going to scoot away. And he takes off for second. Little does he know the ball literally is right there. Gunned out by the catcher. It was one of the craziest double plays I've ever seen in my life. But more so, I just want to talk about Ramon Moreno. Uh, he's he has, been. He's got a cannon. He's got. Not only does he have a cannon, you saw that arm. You saw that yeah. arm. Uh, yeah. In the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, I that did. Was, yeah, I did. He threw out Bogarts twice. <laughs> that was incredible in itself. But that throw from center field, as soon as he, you know, comes down from jumping jumping that eight, nine-foot wall and robbing a home run to launch that on the fly and not only, you know, throw it to first base, which got to be at least, you know, 250, 300 feet away, to overthrow it is absolutely incredible. You know, the the double play, I will say, you know, I'll give credit. I think that was kind of lucky. You know, good play by the catcher to kind of back that up there, you know, be in the right spot, right place, right time kind of thing. But, you know, Lorena is a star in the making. Out there in center field, I like Greg, uh, like Malik, appreciate good defense, and that was absolutely incredible. Don't so, get me don't get me wrong, I do appreciate defense over here. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that. You got a great, you got some great defenders out there. You got Jack Bradley Jr. Yes, out there in Boston, so you know he's very incredible. But 
Ramon Lorena, that's a name to watch. If you know, if you haven't seen the player, if you haven't seen him gun out Bogarts twice, Valencia's, I'm sure there's going to be some other plays where he's just absolutely flashing the leather and showing off that rocket. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there, there's there's de- there's solid defensive plays almost every day in major leagues. I mean, just kind of speaking on it a little bit. Cody Bellinger robbed Christian Yelich the other night, um, jumping over the wall pretty much. But we'll get back to that because we do want to talk about the that matchup with those two specific players. But I mean, every day defensive defensive plays up the yin yang. It's awesome to see. Um, but we do want to get into kind of our top ten, our top ten rankings, our power rankings here at Heart of the Order. Um, and we kind of spoke about it a little bit last week, guys. But there's kind of been teams coming out of nowhere this season. Um, I think the Mariners are one of them. Um, I don't think that anyone really expected the Pirates to be this good this early in the season. Um, and it's kind of messing. And I wouldn't say messing up the rankings, but it's kind of throwing teams off a little bit. So just to kind of to start off, whoever wants to go first, who would your top ten be? All right, so for me, uh, I'm gonna, I'm very cautious with uh, with some of my teams as of right now. I'm not mm-hmm. sure of the top, but uh, just just as of what I've seen so far. Uh, so my tenth place team uh, is gonna be my hometown Pirates. There you go. Uh, I think that the rotation has been great. It has kept us in game so far. Defense has been okay. Uh, the offense is finally starting to click, and they look like they have found their solution. I shortstop with Cole Tucker, who yes, we'll get sir. into later on. Yeah, but uh, I'm gonna go with Pirates at ten. Uh, I need to see like them to, to sustain that for just a little bit longer before I'm going to go higher, but um, that's where I'm going. Number nine, I- I'm going to go to the Seattle Mariners. I know you might think it's kind of low. I get it. They-, they have a great record. They have a great hot start, but I'm not sold on them just yet. I, I want to see how they do into the month of May before I'm ready to hop on that bandwagon. Uh, it's-, it's just something that's a little too risky for me right now. Number eight, I'm going to go with the New York Yankees. Uh, this Yankee team, I, I know that they may not have the best record in baseball, but the fact that they've been able to maintain consistency going forward without some of their premier players moving forward is a credit to Brian Cashman, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, They're and the def- amount of depth that he's been able to build. Yeah. Yes, and and they have an entire, like, legit all-star team on their DL. And that, yes, I'm still saying DL, by the way, in case people are curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, of course. Yeah, <laughs> but, you, have, you kind of have to. Yeah, I'm kind of have to, but yeah, I'm gonna go Yankees at eight because I still think that they are a strong team with a long ways to go and could make a huge run when they're ready. Number seven, I'm gonna go with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I think the Cardinals have kind of slowly started to come back to earth a little bit. I think their series with the Brewers kind of really left a sour taste in their mouth because I think the Brewers kind of have their number right now. But Christian Yelich has their number. Christian Yelich does have their number, but the St. Louis Cardinals still have the depth that they desire. And I'm kind of excited this week because Carlos Martinez is going to be a reliever, which I think is honestly the best place for him to utilize that 98-mile-per-hour fastball and that and that re- really good breaking stuff that he's got. So I'm intrigued to see how that transition works for him, and I can see some big things there. Number six, Minnesota Twins. Twins are a team that has kind of come out of nowhere. They're a team that I thought was going to be a dark horse this year that a lot of people weren't really on the same page with but uh, the Indians haven't really been blowing people away right now especially with Jose Ramirez struggling at the plate and the twins look very very strong I think their offense is good the pitching uh, it's not the strongest right now Um, I think Barrios still going is still has a ways to go before he's ready to be the ace potential that we all think he can be but I, I really like how the twins are going right now 
Number five, this is where Dre's going to yell at me. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay Rays. Ooh. I am still I'm still not sold on the Rays being as good yet. Uh, they, Like I said, they just got swept. Like like Mac pointed out, they got swept hey. by the Red Sox this week. <laughs> uh, yes, I get, I, get it that, I get it that Blake Snell was injured. He's going to be coming back this week. Uh, I would like to see how they respond to the sweep and see if they're able to maintain their composure going into this upcoming week. So we shall see how that goes. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, their rotation really worries me a little bit. Aaron Nola has just not looked as good as we all thought he could be. I get it. The lineup still is still has some great depth. Bryce Harper is doing some great things. Uh, I, I saw the stuff that happened with him and Arietta yesterday, and I kind of thought, oof, that might be some clubhouse drama going on. I'm not ready to say it just yet because Arietta, you know how he is. He's very he's, outspoken. He's heated. They're both heated. Like they're they're both they're like, both very those, heated. Yeah, yeah. Ar- mm-hmm. Arietta used that somewhat last year to kind of help rally them, but it didn't work down the stretch. Although I do think this team is better than last year, but I, I think they can still maintain that. Uh, number three, I'm going to Milwaukee Brewers. I love this offense. Uh, Christian Yelich is just absolutely incredible. He is on pace to be easily the MVP this year. And he is probably going to break their single first month of the season record fastest to get home runs. I believe it was set by um, Eric Thames a couple years ago when he like exploded onto the scene and Yelich is way better of a player than Thames is and he deserves it. I still say the same thing with the Brewers, this rotation doesn't scare me at all. Uh, It's the offense that is essentially going to lead it. And I think there are a lot of guys who could still kind of add a little bit extra to this lineup and when they get going, but thank God Yelich is in that lineup because right now they would be just not as good as they are without him. Clearly number two, Houston Astros. Uh, I, I love this Astros team. I love that lineup. It's great. Uh, they started off kind of slow a little bit to begin, but they have been on a tear ever since, especially a couple of field, Jose Altuve, six home runs in five games. Uh, they're at a, they're a solid pace moving forward. Uh, we had questions about the rotation, especially with uh, some of the guys, some of the injuries they had, but I think they're starting to settle in a little bit and become the Kings of the West. I think they'll eventually take over for the Mariners soon. And then number one, obviously for me, it's Los Angeles Dodgers. I picked them to win the world series this year. Cody Bellinger is turning into a superstar before our very eyes of 23. Yes, sir. He absolutely deserves it. He, him and Yelich are one, a one B right now when it comes to MVP favorites going to the air. And Corey Seager is, absolutely killing it i still think he's gonna he's obviously gonna win comeback player of the year for me and walker piece in that rotation right now but we shall see how kershaw does his next few starts especially when he's healthy because i think coming off the dl he was kind of he's not the same he wasn't the same kershaw as he was he lost a little velocity on his fastball but i i still think see some great things going for them and the dodgers are going to be the kings of the west again Yes, sir. I mean, it's. It, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything. I have all those teams other than the Twins. Maybe I'm not. I don't know if I'm sold on them yet, but I, I like. I like those rankings. I just think I like the offense rankings. is young, and I think it's good. So yeah, yeah. I, I like those rankings. Dre, Dre, what do you got for us, man? Uh, all right. You know, it's tough to follow up, Malik, with those wonderful descriptions. <laughs> Killing me, man. Analysis, but, uh, Especially because you know, you're under the weather, so I feel bad. So you're not really as hyped as usual. Dre, if Dre, if you want, really Dre, if you want to go, just go boom, 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 boom. It's good with me, man. Yeah, we'll make fun of you later. It's <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine, guys. I'm I'm here, I'm powering through. You know, I gotta 
I owe it to the fans. I owe it to the wonderful fans, you know, to power through this. So right. you, have, you have Gatorade. Do you have Gatorade with you to help we, power yourself through it? Or? We appreciate yeah, it. Bro. I, I take an unconventional approach. I drink beer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that works too. <laughs> we appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate it. But uh, here we go. Top 10. Uh, you know, short, sweet, to the point. I'm going to go with Seattle as my number 10 team. Uh, reason being, you know, uh, out of the last 10 or three, the last seven, which means they are also coming back down to earth. I like their offense, not solely pitching. Uh, you know, as the usual, you know, as the usual saying goes, pitching wins. Uh, Trump's good hitting every time. Uh, number nine, I'm actually going to go with the New York Mets here. Uh, they're leading the top of the NL East at the moment, and they're in a tough series with Philly. Uh, they just got a win last night, I believe, and, you know, they this is a big series for them. Uh, you know, DeGrom, I believe, missed a start or two, but he's back. He's going to be healthy. So, uh, and they're getting big, big contributions from Steven Matz and Pete Alonzo. So, he got to keep breaking in order for them to succeed. Number eight, I am actually going to stick the Minnesota Twins right here at number eight. You know, uh, they're off to a very hot, hot start. They won four in a row. You know, and uh, they are playing Houston, it's kind of the big time series. Uh, you know, this is a big test for them. We'll see if they're for real. Barrios uh, is absolutely, you know, he's he's a stud, guys. I think he's a stud. I know Mal can see a little more, see a little more, but uh, from what I've seen so far, you know, he looks very good, very calm, cool, collected. I'm worried about what happens after him. Uh, Pineda's kind of getting rocked, uh, but you know, he's two and one. But again, in baseball, today's age, wins don't really matter. Uh, Underrated guy who's leading that offense, by the way, Jorge Polanco. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, I believe he just went four for five last night, and uh, if I recall, he already has a cycle. Yes, sir. Does, five for five. Correct. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, uh, he got to keep it up, and they're about to get snow back as well. We'll see if he's for real or not, because you know he he could be a key contributor for them if he really finds his group. Uh, the next team, I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh Pirates here. Uh, you know, they're kind of. Kind of question marks, you know, in terms of their bullpen right now. Uh, Nick Birdie just went down last night. Uh, you know, Kyle Crick, very unlucky. But, uh, you know, their rotation is absolutely incredible. I think it's the best in baseball right now. And their defense is shockingly uh, underratedly good. Uh, now that Cole Tucker's up here, uh, which we will get into a little bit later, I believe that, you know, that spot is now officially locked down. So once they get healthy, and Polanco just came back yesterday, Josh Bell's telling, tearing the cover off the ball and, Dickerson's on his way once they get fully healthy with Marte back in my lineup. I expect them to, uh, you know, fully compete in this division. Uh, the next team I'm going to go with is the New York Yankees here. I believe this is number five. Uh, guys, I definitely am shocked right now that the New York Yankees are as good as they are with all these injuries. They have 13 guys on the DL right now, and, you know, 75 to 80 percent of them are starters. Severino didn't even start the year. Judges on the DL. Uh, you know, uh, there you go. <laughs> nice pause there for the crack of the beer. I loved it. Um, but no, uh, Judge Stanton's on the DL. Uh, Didi Gregorius was hurt before the year, and he's you know, he's still not back yet. And they still have found a way to win games. They are rolling right now. They've won four in a row, uh, you know, plus. Uh, run differential plus 28, you know, it's it's impressive to say the least uh, what this team is able to do with all these injuries. So, you know, for them right now, it's in the five team. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers. I like the Brewers here at four. 
uh, simply because their offense is, I think, top to bottom, one of the best in baseball. And with Christian Yelich, who was off to an MVP caliber season again, uh, you know, continuing to tear the cover off the ball, I don't see how they can lose, even though the Cardinals had their number last night. Uh, I expect them to still win series just because of the fact that their offense is incredible. Now, the pitching, again, very suspect, but we'll see what they can do. Uh, you know, we'll see if they can slug enough homers to, in order to, uh, you know, win some games here. Number three, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay at three. I have them a little lower than Malik. Uh, they just got hit with some injuries as well. Uh, Austin Meadows was crushing it for them, but now he's on the Sunday DL. They are set to get Blake Snow back, who was just injured, so that'll be a nice – you know, that'll be a nice consolation for the injuries that are happening. But again, uh, with Tampa Bay Rays, uh, I am very, I'm not very concerned, but I am somewhat concerned over the fact that they just got swept by the Sox this past weekend. Say it again for the people (laughs) in the back. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, I, I definitely just want to, uh, you know, say that the Rays, my Rays, you know, my AL team, I'm a little bit upset, but at the same time, you know, I think they'll bounce back. Baseball, like basketball, because of all the games, you know, you can go on a run at any time, and, you know, maybe they're just, you know, in a valley right now, so they'll they'll come back. Number two, I am going to go with the Houston Astros here. Number two, uh, just because, you know, top to bottom again, uh, they're very deep, very stacked. Uh, Garrett Cole is pitching lights out, and, you know, uh, they got off to a slow start, but they're coming back here. Uh, to take to take the top of the AL West from Seattle, who was sliding. Uh, and then number one, I think it's obvious here, it's the LA Dodgers. Uh, you know, getting Clayton Kershaw back, who is, he's, I think, easily the best pitcher of this decade. Uh, you know, and no disrespect to Matt Scherzer, who's been absolutely incredible as of late, but Clayton Kershaw for an entire decade has been absolutely dominant. He was a you know, gold standard when it came to pitching in the major league baseball for a long time. And, you know, if he comes back and he's any, if he's back to even a fraction of his old self, uh, you pair him with Walker Bueller and then, you know, having Seager and you just talked about Katie Bellinger. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough selling for the rest of the national league. So they uh, round out my number one. I mean, that's that's a solid top ten, I think. I mean, and I pretty much have. I mean, like I said with with uh, Malik, I pretty much have all the same teams other than Minnesota. But here, I mean, I'll just go quick. Um, I, just because of how how hurt they they are right now, I have the Yankees at number ten. Just because of how hurt they are. I mean, when okay. you when you have when you have thirteen players and probably like ten of them are all star caliber. Y- it hurts your team a lot, and it, it's not sure how long guys like Aaron Judge are going to be out for, or things like that. So you never know how their season is kind of kind of going to pan out. Um, so I have them, I have them back a little ways um, compared to you guys. But then number nine, I got to go to Milwaukee Brewers. This offense, like you guys have said over and over again, is just out of this world. They're they're going to produce throughout the season. That's no question. I'm not sold on their pitching staff. I was going to ask, that's surprisingly a little low for them, but I figure, yeah, the pitching is definitely yeah. the weakness for them. Yeah. They um, have a minus run differential of negative 18, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not good, and they're still winning games, but I, I completely understand that. Yeah. Um. So I kind of, like, my rankings, I kind of went on, like, their, what the 
state of the team is kind of right now, I guess you could say. Like with the Yankees, when they have like, I mean, like I said, when they have that many players on the on the DL, like it hurts it hurts their rankings in kind of my eyes, I guess you could say. Um, so number eight, I went with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I mean, I feel like their pitching staff is solid. Their lineup is solid. They just kind of got to put things together. Um, they're still right up there at the top of the AL Central, with right behind the Pirates, right ahead of the Brewers. So we'll see how it goes. Um, number seven, this is where I have my Seattle, the Seattle Mariners. Um, they've shown no signs of weakness this year so far. They've been producing runs like crazy. Um, pitching staff, we'll see how it rounds out as the season goes on. But right now, I feel like they, they deserve to be kind of right in the middle of the pack, I feel like. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates, number six. Uh, I mean, like you guys have said, uh, pitching rotation out of this world. Uh, bullpen should be strong the rest of the way. And the lineup uh, with Polanco back, Dickerson on the way, um, Marte back in a little bit. <coughs> um, and, I mean, just the defense is solid. They just got to produce runs. And I think the addition of Brian Reynolds, um, Cole Tucker, I think it will help out. Um, number five, I have the New York Mets. <coughs> um, they've been solid this year so far with Pete Alonso. Um, pitching rotation is one of the best in baseball. Um, it's kind of hard to deny them a top five spot, I feel like, at this point. Um, Philadelphia Phillies are at number four. Uh, Bryce Harper, it's hard to deny what he's done with that franchise. Mikel Franco is hitting the cover off the ball as well. JT Real Muto, um, also solid. That whole lineup is doing solid. Um, like, you, but like you guys said before, concerns with the starting rotation. So we'll see how that kind of pans out as well. And then top three, I have the same as Dre. Um, I think I'm one team off from with Malik. Um, number three with the Rays. Number two with the Astros. Number one with the Dodgers. I think there's no doubt the Dodgers are number one team in the MLB right now. Um, it's hard to deny that. They're probably the World Series favorites right now, too. Yeah, I yeah. can't deny that, that they are probably the World Series favorites right now. Uh, coming, especially, you know, especially with – this National League where there's so many competitive teams. One team I believe I left off my list completely was the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, you know, and I would slide them in at 11, you know, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, uh, the Phillies could be anywhere from, I think, from four to, you know, my list they're 11. Uh, and then to me, that explains just how deep this is. But that also explains how good the Dodgers are playing right now. Again, they just got Kershaw back. Walker Buehler is – I think going a Cy Young case and, you know, uh, Cody Bellinger is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And one team I didn't put on my, my top list was uh, the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, a lot of people look at the Braves, they have future superstars right there and uh, Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies, but it's just with the way that that NL East is looking right now with the Phillies, the Mets, the Nationals, I, I'm not ready to put them that high up just yet. I think the lineup is good, but the pitching is kind of underwhelmed. A little bit so if they can clear that pitching up going into the rest of the season i think the braves will be finished higher up on my list i mean i was debating them putting in my top 10 too um the braves but i just i mean like i mean like you said i'm kind of just not sold on the pitching staff and the lineup as a whole i guess they got a couple of exciting players but i'm just not all the way there i guess uh but i mean they're they're guys all of these teams one thing they all have in common is they all have young, exciting players that are kind of playing out of this world so far for their franchises. 
Um, I mean, with the Mets, you have Pete Alonso. With the Rays, you got guys like Austin Meadows. Blake Snell is still young. Obviously, he's not like as young as some of these guys. But I mean, throughout the league, there are players that have there are young players that have kind of come up and surprised their franchises. Two came up this past weekend for the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, filling in after injuries to Starling Marte and Eric Gonzalez. Cole Tucker and Brian Reynolds made their MLB debut on the same day. Guys, as Pirates fans, how big is this for the franchise? This is huge. Uh, Brian Reynolds in particular was um, a guy that was considered the hot, the main prospect piece that we got in the trade for Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, that was the trade that essentially kind of turned away a lot of the fan base and you know got them upset and why there's now officially a boycott at PNC Park, which, by the way, Please boycott more because I love getting tickets for super cheap. So I saw, thank I saw, you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, pirate fans. Really, I, saw, I appreciate it. I saw there's um, like not where you're going. I saw there's like 50. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah, please, please boycott because I want I want cheaper tickets. Please, thank you. I would love to go more often. But um, but no, uh, Brian Reynolds is a guy that um, you know he had a hammock injury last year that kind of sapped a lot of his power in Double A. Uh, had a had a solid solid second half and then earned himself a promotion to Triple A. I didn't think he was going to be up at all this year, but uh, his first duty calls when you need the, um, you know, when you need the, when you need to come up, you need it. Uh, he's been showing up pretty well. He's been a consistent hitter, but Cole Tucker guys, Cole Tucker is the the future of this franchise. Um, he is everything that baseball is right now. He's young, he's tall, he's athletic. He is a potential five tool player. Where where this game is going with the amount of shortstops at an elite level is something that you want. And I will be the first to admit, when they drafted Cole Tucker, I because I, I'm a draft nerd, I even looked at it and I was like, who? I, I was really confused when they drafted him. I read, I read up on him immediately afterwards and I saw the potential that there was in him. I saw he was tall. I saw he was lanky. And I'm like, okay, this is a perfect like athlete pick for them. And if he could stick at shortstop, this is huge for them. He worked his way up through the majors. He didn't put up eye-popping numbers until the second half last year. Arizona Fall League, he crushed the ball. And then the beginning of AAA, he was doing just the same thing. He decided to bring him up. Um, I, know, I don't know if he'll stay up all year. I do think there's a need for him to because obviously Eric Gonzalez is going to be on the 60-day DL. But I really would love to see the Pirates stick with it, especially if they are able to continue the pace that they're on right now. Moving Cole Tucker all around this lineup is a huge thing for them because it adds versatility, and this is a guy that could be the future three-hitter for this team in the next year or two, honestly. And this is something that Pirate fans should be very, very, very excited for. This is kind of the equivalent of when McCutcheon debuted, and you saw kind of the rebirth of the franchise player for the Bucks. For the Bucks. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of swag to him, too. Just he from, does. He, that's why. That's why I said he's every. He's everything that baseball is right now. You, these young guys who come up and have swag and just have fun, and that's the type of thing that we've been missing in Pittsburgh for a bit. Even when even when McCutcheon got old, you can older, you can kind of tell there wasn't really as much, you know, kind of fun and you know loose scenes that you would expect to have from seeing kids play. But now having that youthful energy back on this team i think it's something that's going to get more people that come out to the ballpark which is unfortunate because i want cheaper tickets but (laughs) (laughs) i uh i wholeheartedly agree there um alex uh cole tucker honestly uh when they drafted him for starters they took him way sooner than he was expected to go 
Uh, Which you found I, out afterwards too that apparently the Dodgers wanted him like the pick after two, which I was surprised yeah. by that. So, yeah, I, but, I, yeah, I was too. I was as well, you know. And that kind of, you know, that made me feel good. Like, oh, Pirates just took a pick from the Dodgers, who, as we all know, you know, breed talent, young talent, and they always do, no matter what. I mean, they got the money to spend a free agency, but when it comes to their, you know, farm system, it's easily one of, if not the best in baseball. But uh, cool. Cole Tucker coming up uh, was everything for me because, uh, like you, I did not expect him to uh, get called up this year. And to be completely honest, even after the injury to Eric Gonzalez, I did not expect him to even get called up because that's not what they do. This is no, not, it's not. It's not what the Pirates do. They always find an excuse to bring someone up. I thought it was going to be Kevin Kramer, and you know when he got the call, uh, when Tucker got the call, I was ecstatic because I thought that they would have made an excuse and said oh you know super two or he's not ready like he's only been in triple a for you know a handful of games like he's just coming up and he's just playing the game he's been playing his entire life you know with no pressure at the beginning of the season and i understand that there was a giant hole there at shortstop now that eric gonzalez is on the 60-day dl so he's not he's not gonna be back for at least at least till july and even then with Kevin Newman going down, what are you going to do? Play Gung there when they were adamant that Gung was not going to play shortstop at all. Uh, I thought it was the right move. Again, I thought it was a shocking move, but, uh, you know, I still stand by it. And Cole Tucker, man, you talk about the swagger. Swag. Uh, he, Swag. He hit that home run. Man, when he hit that home run with the current call, and, oh, man, I was so I was so hyped. You know, that's awesome to see that. And, you know, the last player to do that that I saw was uh, – in his first game was uh, Sterling Marte, I believe, in Houston. Yep, hit a home run in his first the first pitch, first at bat, too. First pitch, first at bat. It was the first at bat of the game. He was batting leadoff. Uh, I, I honestly couldn't believe it uh, that Cole Tucker, which ended up actually being the walk-off, you know, I couldn't believe it. And then he comes back last night and hits a nice little double, and he slides in the second. Just a flowing lot. It's like man. swag. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's so smooth there. He's, he's honestly – He's honestly something that the Pirates Pirates fans have been waiting for, and I have not seen a shortstop, you know, like him in Pittsburgh, you know, at least defensively solid, like uh, since Jack Wilson. Yeah. Uh, which tells you that's a great that's a great way to play. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, Jack Wilson didn't have the swagger that he has. Like Cole Tucker, he got the it factor. Yeah, you, know, you want mm-hmm. that, and I, I think the cut comparison was absolutely perfect. But uh, Brian Reynolds, uh, <laughs> to move on to Brian Reynolds. Uh, I did not expect any of this from Brian Reynolds. I thought he'd come up. I thought he'd struggle right at the gates. I know he's gotten hot. Uh, you know, I was worried, honestly, when we trained Andrew McCutcheon that Brian Reynolds would not be the player that he was. But, man, when you start reading up on this kid, you see that he's absolutely as solid as they come. If you are the San Francisco Giants, you have to be kicking yourself so hard right now that you traded away a future piece of your outfield and Brian Reynolds and a bullpen arm and Kyle Crick, who is absolutely filthy. You traded both those away for four months of Andrew McCutcheon. That's highway robbery the fullest. And Brian Reynolds out there, he looks so fluent in center field. Uh, he's the reason why you're able to trade in Austin Meadows. And I know we haven't talked about that as much, but the the trade of the trade of Meadows, it kinda, you know, it kinda leaves a sour taste in your mouth right now because you see what he's doing. In Tampa Bay, but then you see what Brian Reynolds is capable of, and you say, you know what, we're going to be okay, you know. And you see this kid; he has he hasn't shown the power yet, but he's been, 
you know, he has he's he, he's what you call a smart he's what he's what you call a smart hitter. Doesn't pull the ball. He bats lefty, I believe. I'm not sure. Uh, switch hitter. Correct me on this. Is he a switch? Okay. Yeah, he's a switch. I wasn't I wasn't hundred percent sure. I see it right now actually. And being a switch hitter is absolutely phenomenal. I want to see him bat from the right side, but you know, him up there, he looks so comfortable. Uh, even as a rookie, he's five or ten right now. Uh, you know, batting five hundred. Uh, the kids up here is just having fun, and as a Pirates fan, you love to see it. You absolutely mm-hmm. love to see it. I mean, and it's funny. I mean, both of these guys. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys realize this, but they both haven't gone hitless in a game in the in their last three games since coming up. They both have at least one hit in all three games. That's awesome. Which is crazy is. to think about. I mean, you got two rookies, um, two young guys, twenty two, twenty four. Um, Cole Tucker has one hit in every game, two doubles and a home run in the first in his major league debut. And then Reynolds went had one hit in the first game, three hits in the second game, one hit in the third game. Like, yeah. I mean, they, they got these young guys, and the the future in Pittsburgh looks bright, especially with everyone else they have around him, around them. And like, we're still. I mean, Jason Martin is still out there. I mean, he came up early before these oh, guys. I love he, Jason he's, Martin. He's yeah. twenty three. Like we haven't even talked about Jason Martin either. He's another one that you got to add to that category, guys. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, the Pirates have a, a young core right now, and it looks bright um, for the future, and it's awesome to see because I know how hyped you guys are about this team, and like I'm getting excited about this team <laughs> to see to see kind of what they what they can do. Um, but they're you know around the league there are other exciting players. We've talked about Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, multiple times on this show. He's kind of out there. Him and Machado are kind of leading the charge in um, San Diego. We got Pete Alonso in New York, kind of leading the Big Mets Pete. out there. Big Pete. I love Big Pete. <laughs> oh, man. He's a slugger. <laughs> he's a big. He's a big slugger. So you you have these young guys all over the country, kind of playing big for their teams. But arguably, the, probably the biggest name hasn't even reached this level yet. Um, how big of a moment is it going to be when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets called up to the big leagues, guys? Did you guys see the home run that he yeah. hit in Buffalo? Yeah, I I, I touched on yeah. it. My God, I I touched on it in my my Greg Max weekly breakdown on thoughtsfromthebench.com. I I saw it for the first time. Shameless plug, by the way. Shameless, shameless plug. I know. <laughs> but like you you see in like when the camera pans to the outfield to watch the ball go over to the fence, you see like three three guys trying to go like attempt to chase the baseball, and they realize it's in the parking lot already, and they're like screw it and turn around and like walk back to the stadium. <laughs> And it was the funniest thing ever. But, like, this guy hits the cover off the ball. Mm-hmm. This, kid, honestly, this kid's 19 years old in AAA. It's and nuts. I can't, I can't think of a player, at least off the top of my head, who had this much hype around him that whenever he comes up, like, all, all eyes will be tuning in to watch him bat. Uh, the only player that really comes to my mind, I guess, is, honestly, Bryce Harper. Yeah, uh, I could also I could also argue Steven Strasburg when he made his debut. Yeah, that, he had a lot of hype yeah. around him too. Well, whoever de- who date I think Harper debuted after Strasburg, if memory serves me correctly. But I understand what you're saying regarding the hype because he also was extremely hyped coming out of you know coming since coming out of a uh, college at San Diego State there. Yep. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for Vlad. Uh, Vlad Jr. As soon as he comes up, I'm calling it right now. He's gonna hit one of the freaking move. Yeah, he's I mean, gonna he, do it up in Rogers Center. It is scary. It is so scary that he is probably gonna end up being a better player than his dad. 
his dad was one of the best, if not the best, bad ball hitter I've ever seen. Just free yeah. swinger, free swinger. Yeah, that his it's weird that his kid has become a much more patient hitter. It's kind of like he learned what not to do from his dad. Yeah, yeah. And his dad, his dad's resume is Hall of Fame worthy. I know it's like a weird dichotomy too, because it's like, all right, I may have a Hall of Fame resume, but I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. So. Because you can be a more complete player and you can be better than me, so I give Laddie some respect for that. If he taught that to his son, yeah, it's Laddie. It, sorry, no, go ahead, go, go ahead, ahead go ahead. I there. was just, I was just gonna finish up on Laddie that he's the kind of guy who swings at balls who bounce three feet in front of the plate and he'll smack at the center field like it's nothing. That's the kind of hitter he was. It yeah. was incredible. So I, I'm excited for Laddie here to see him actually maybe take a bouncing ball and put it two rows up in the left field who i mean who knows it could happen he's he's shown the power he has shown the power so far um during his minor league stint but the we kind of touched on it before we started talking about this topic the the this the, the motto of the league this year has been let the kids play meaning bat flips meaning excitement meaning getting the crowd excited and earlier this week um we had a situation where tim anderson who's the shortstop for the chicago white Sox, um hit a home run against the the blue jay blue jays correct guys right no no royals royals Royals. so sorry about that so hit a home run against the royals um gave it gave it a little empathetic uh bat toss um back across the plate came up his next at bat got beaned in the butt um ejected from the game along with a couple other players I mean, we we've talked about this situation before, guys, um, with Chris Archer and uh, Dietrich earlier in the season when they played the Reds. Um, and like, you guys like seeing these bat flips? Like, I mean, and the MLB seemed to support the bat flip, but then he goes out and gets um, suspended. So, like, I mean, what, what's your take? Is- what's your take on this situation, guys? Well, my issue with that is that I find it hard to quantify what Tim Anderson did as a bat flip. Yeah, I mean, it was you like a, it was like a toss kind of. Yeah, it was like he was like throwing something in anger. Mm. It wasn't like anything. It was nothing like Bryce Harper just like did the the tilt whirl. Probably one of the most deadly bat flips you will ever see. It was like Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson was so hyped that he just when he hit the home run, he was angry and he was just letting loose all of his rage as he was tossing the bat. So. Yeah. I, I don't know if that I don't know if this kind of falls in that same category of the bat flip because the bat flip is fun, it's exciting, it's having a good time. This is just kind of letting out any pent up rage that you had at the time. But um, I, I think the issue too is that yes, he may have gotten beaned, but at the same time though, when you spark a brawl, that's kind of like where the the issues come into play. I'm all about for having fun, but like you can't like just instigate stuff like that. Like I, and we are, we are baseball fans here. We understand the unwritten rules of it, where if you make someone look stupid, then you're obviously gonna, you know, pay the price for it because pitchers are very prideful people. We know that, but at the same time, like you can't like feed into the, the unwritten rules and try to instigate a brawl from that because that's what happened with, you know Dietrich and mm-hmm. Archer, even though there were even though there were outside sources with it. But at the same time, though, kids have to understand that if you're going to show up a pitcher, then you're going to get bean. That's just the way it is. And as long as you're able to keep your, you know, keep your ego in check right there, and you take the free base, and you're able to you know help your team score more runs from it, that I'm fine with it. Yeah, and uh, I love the bat flip personally. 
But uh, I think Tim Wilson, or Tim Wilson, I think Tim Anderson uh, went a little over the top there. Uh, just, to, you know, kind of, and I still think I'm kind of sugarcoating it here. Uh, you know, him, when he hit the home run, it was an absolute bomb, guys. Uh, you know, and I feel like that's one of the proper times to bat flip, uh, especially if, especially if you're playing a division opponent, uh, you yeah. know, and I understand it's early in the season, but, uh, you know, Brad Kelly, I will, I will say this, uh, because I was very critical of Archer, uh, him, you know, his show offness, uh, whenever he tricks someone out, he'll come off the mound, fist pumping, and it's like the fourth inning, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I like that. I like that excitement. I like to see people do that, but if someone's going to have a home run off you, bat flip, like don't beat them. That's not the case with Brett Keller because he's not like that kind of pitcher. You know, he's not the kind of guy who is, you know, if he strikes you out on a 3-2 count with a runner on second and you're up two, he's not the kind of guy that's going to come off the mound, fist pumping, screaming, you know, like, you know, go sit down to whoever he struck out. Like, that's not who he is, you know. He is the kind of guy that's like, you know, he – Follows the unwritten rules. Like, act like you've been here before, as I say that in quotations. Like, that's who he is. I'm just glad that he did not hit him in the head. Oh, yeah. I'm glad he actually drilled him, you know, in the spot where he's going to drill him. Uh, the point is, though, with the suspension, he didn't get suspended for the bat flip or the instigation. They came out and said he got suspended for using racial language. And you have you have players like Marcus Stroman, who is – also an African-American, come out and defend them, say, you know, that's part of the culture, you know, how are you going to, you know, suspend somebody for, you know, what he says? Like, I, I can't, I don't, I don't want to like cross paths, you know, I don't want to make this again a political show and I don't want to say I agree or disagree, so I'm trying to just stick in the middle. No one understood or heard what Tim Anderson said until they came out and said he suspended for using racial language. It was not caught on videotape. It was not caught up by a microphone. So he, if they're going to suspend him, they should have just lied about it and said, you know, we're going to suspend you because you instigated a fight. Or we're going to suspend you because you look like you were going to charge him out. And, you know, you cause up benches clearing brawl. You're going to suspend him for the fact that he used, you know, uh, inappropriate language, uh, you know, to, you know, basically say, hey, Brad Keller, what are you doing? Like, you know, throwing at me. Yeah, I hit a home run. It was a bomb. And I bat flipped it. But you know, and you could throw, you could sprinkle in the, you could sprinkle the words in there anywhere you want. Point is, is that I don't think he should have been suspended for what he was suspended for. If you're gonna suspend him for anything, suspend him for the fact that you know he honestly, you know, kind of instigated that fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you there. Like, I don't think being suspended for inappropriate language is like. I don't think that's worthy of a suspension. Like, these are guys that are, I mean, 18, 19, 20, 25, like, they're between 20 and 40 years old. Like, they should be able to they should be able to use whatever language that they deem. You know what I mean? Like, they're men. Um, yeah. Like, I think this if you're going to get suspended, it should be for something like you said, like, just inciting a brawl, stuff like that on the field. I mean, it's, it's weird. I guess the, the one thing that I thought was – funny about the whole situation was when MLB tw- like tweeted at Tim Anderson to like keep doing his thing like keep bat flipping stuff like that and then he then later he gets um he gets suspended but I mean obviously it was for a different a different thing unrelated to I mean not unrelated but um away yeah, from but I, the I'm bat flip to, I'm willing to 
I'm willing to bet the people that run the social media account for MLB are kind of like younger individuals that enjoy that stuff instead of like the older guard who are probably the ones that come down with the suspensions and don't pay attention to social media. Yeah. I just, I just thought it was kind of funny that, yeah, I just kind of was thought it was kind of funny that like, that's how it kind of like panned out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but we've, we've, we've had a lot of, um, exciting moments in the MLB this year, guys. Um, and, the one of the most exciting things that I've liked to kind of keep watch over um, is this race going on between Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. Yelly versus Belly. You both loved it, <laughs> but in the pre-show. Um, but Christian Yelich, NL MVP last year, um, has kind of come up through the ranks in the past year and just kind of established himself as one of the best players in the league. And now you have Cody Bellinger for the Los Angeles Dodgers, kind of doing the same thing. Um, Cody Bellinger's hitting 424 already. Uh, he has 11 home runs, 28 RBIs. He has a WAR of 2.5. Um, Christian Yelich on the opposite side, 13 home runs, 31 RBIs, 1.8 WAR. Kind of powering that Milwaukee Brewers lineup that has stacked from top to bottom. Um, what's your take on this on this matchup, guys? Do you think? Just get, just give me your overall thoughts. Uh, I think it's exciting to see, and we even touched on this before, that a lot of us forgot how good Cody Bellinger was because we forget that he's only 23 years old and he's bound to have growing pains going into the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what's kind of interesting is that Yelich, I-, I feel like, has had has needed to be as good as he is because the rest of the Brewers team isn't necessarily as good out the gate as we all expected them to be. Uh, we even touched on this before about how some guys in that lineup are kind of underachieving right now. And the rotation isn't necessarily the best. So Yelich has to play up to these standards to be the cog and be the straw that stirs the drink for this team. Bellinger is in a, a lineup, is on a team that is very has a very strong depth behind them. Um, he doesn't have to, you know, put up extreme numbers like this to be a key contributor for this team. But this is a guy that has his talents are shining through right now. And that's scary for a LA Dodger team that I still that I'm saying is the best team in baseball right now. And even if you took Bellinger out of that lineup, that's still a very, very strong team to go up against. So the oh, yeah. fact that you have a guy like that in your lineup, that, that's that spells doom for the rest of the National League, man, especially in that division right there. So oh, yeah. I, I give I give Bellinger a ton of credit. I, I think he's having a great year. I don't know if he is going to keep up this pace because I truly do believe that he's not he doesn't have as much pressure on him as Yelich does. Yelich is a guy that I feel like has to perform as well as he has to for his team to succeed. Bellinger doesn't necessarily need to do that because of the amount of depth around him, but I'd be very intrigued to see if Bellinger can keep up this pace. And the fact that Bellinger is, uh, the fact that Bellinger is 100% producing in a lineup where, you know, you probably take him out and they're still, you know, a playoff team at best. uh, It's, you know, it's wonderful for me. And I agree with you, Malik, when you say that when you take the uh, when uh, you compare the two, that Yelich is probably the more important player. Uh, you know, again, to play devil's advocate, uh, I just want to see what happens if they take this guy out of Cody Bellinger. Uh, you know, he was a guy that last year kind of took a step back from his rookie season. Uh, he had 39 homers, and, you know, he's on pace right now to shatter that. Uh, 424 batting average, right. I think, it right. is by far. I haven't seen someone do that since Chipper Jones. <laughs> yeah, it, that, to, that to me is absolutely insane. And the, I, I do love me some Christian Yelich, and it's awesome what he's doing right now. The one thing that worries me, though, is 
you know, a majority of his damage has been done against the Cardinals and in his home ballpark. You I mean, know? I don't know if that worries me. I'm kind of happy about that. <laughs> I'm happy around. too, but you want you want to see you want to see that production on the road. You want to see what's going to happen. And you know, he's right now he's in Bush Stadium, and you know he's out there doing his thing. Uh, again, they lost last night, but you know he was a key contributor last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if he to keep this pace that he's on, and we're not talking about just this year, we're talking about since last year when he was traded to Milwaukee, uh, he's a completely different player. He's a different player than when he was in Miami. Uh, you know, he is – he's up there right now. And he's – I know we've had this conversation before of who's basically behind Mike Trout. For me, guys, it's Christian Yelich. I think he's without a doubt the second best player in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, I'm just more blown away about the fact that Cody Bellinger is putting up these ridiculous numbers. It's. I mean, it's, cra- it's crazy. I mean, you, if you look at it, like Cody Bellinger is a guy – that was taken out of the lineup last year during the playoffs for matchup situations. Like, I mean, he, he only started like every other day. If you, if you think about it, like Dave Roberts took him out of the lineup. Um, and I think he's like, he took that to heart and he's like, I'm going to come out and show that you, you can't take me out of the lineup because I'm producing so much. Um, and and it's exciting to see a kid like this, kind of go back and forth with a guy like Christian Yelich um, back and forth yeah. at the top of the <laughs> top of the National League. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it. I kind of mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but they were playing the other night, and uh, Cody Bellinger came out and hit a hit a go-ahead home run, or I think I can't remember what the order was, but at one point Cody Bellinger robbed Christian Yelich of a home run, and then he goes out and hit the game the go-ahead home run, and the Dodgers end up winning. Like it was It was sweet to kind of see those two go back and forth. That's an all-around player right there. Yeah. I mean, he was playing right field, I think, and he's played center field. He's played first base. I think he might have played third base at one point last year for, like, a game or two. Like, he's playing all over the field. And then you have a guy like Christian Yelich who's just doing it all for, for Milwaukee as well. Yeah, and I completely forgot he was actually taking out a lot at some points last year in the yeah. playoffs. Uh, the craziest thing about Cody Bellinger, I guess, from last year to this year, uh, especially when you say that stat, is that last year he played every single game. Yeah, and he's off. He's off to a crazy start right now, and he's only twenty three years old. Like this kid is only going to get better. Uh, what was so last it, year? His exciting. What was last year? His first full year in the majors. It was the last, It was his first full year in the majors. Uh, okay. Year, well, yeah. I mean, his rookie year played one hundred thirty two games. I mean, that's not a full season. That's probably you know more so along the lines of Super Two. But he won rookie of the year. And if memory serves me correctly, I also believe he was in the Herman Derby. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you're right. He was. He was up. He was up long enough to where you know he was making an early impact. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. I like. I love seeing these two guys kind of go back and forth. Um, and I mean, it, it's funny to see kind of looking at it right now. Just kind of looking at his stats. He played 162 games last year. He had 76 RBIs. Um, and the year before that, where he only played 132, he had 97 and 39 home runs. So last year was kind of like a drop-off year for him. And I think he's starting to kind of hit that level again this year to where he's starting to challenge pitchers. In, I mean, obviously, it's, it's working out for him so far this year. I'd say the sophomore slump is definitely a real thing. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel, like, I feel like after you go your first year and you kind of think you're on top of the world and then pitchers kind of like catch up to you and try to – play you differently so mm-hmm. i but i think the sophomore slump he kind of took it to heart and realized okay i need to be a better player and he's still young enough that where he can be mm-hmm. yeah. oh and I, the other big thing i uh, really take into account is what 
Matt just said, uh, here's a guy, Cody Dozier, who was all over the baseball diamond last year. He played every game, but he didn't have a lockdown position. And they said this year when the Dodgers came to you know, spring training that the one thing they're going to do is lock Cody Dozier down in a specific position. Lee right now he's playing in right field, and, you know, that's where he should be. He should be there. He shouldn't have to bring, you know, four or five different clubs to the ballpark every night and say, hey, Coach, where am I playing, you know? And he went out there and played every game. You know, he was healthy. He Even if he was hurt, he still played probably through it. He still played through it. And, you know, there's probably a guy that doesn't complain, you know. He's a guy that you don't really see in the media, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, like backlash, things like that. And, you know, sometimes you have that with baseball players, especially a guy like, you know, Cody Bellinger, who could possibly drum that up because he doesn't have a lockdown position. But, you know, he's the complete opposite of that. He's a team player, and now he's out here putting the team on his back. It's, it's awesome. And him doing that 23-year-old, 23-year-old kid, uh, again, I, it just goes back to the slogan, let the kids play. And, man, this kid is raking. I mean, it's it's awesome to see you guys, but that is all the time we have for tonight for episode 11 of Heart of the Order. Um, but it is time. We always have time for some shameless plugs. So, guys, shameless plugs as we exit episode 11. Uh, shameless plug for me. Obviously, check out the recent Two Beers Deep episode that we did on Monday. We did a video recording where me and our fearless leader, Deke, did – our dueling mock draft where we uh, pretended to be the general managers for the teams with the first 32 picks. And we did a dueling mock draft to figure out what we think they should do. Uh, obviously on Thursday, it is our favorite time of the year here at thoughts on the bench is the NFL draft. Uh, we will not be doing a two beers deep episode because our fearless leader is unfortunately double booked himself. And he's going to be in Seattle. So we are going to do an Instagram takeover. It'll be myself. It'll be the ranking Austin Moorhead, who I will begrudgingly have to bring into my house, and my other co-host of this great podcast, Mac himself. What so up? Check us, check us out this Thursday. It's definitely going to be a fun time. I can't wait. Uh, we we hmm. we especially have a plan for uh, Rank King to kind of bring a lookalike situation. Um, it's definitely something you guys should tune into. It's going to be funny. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my shameless plug is obviously check out my mock draft here uh, tomorrow or Thursday. It's set to drop tomorrow, but if you guys don't get a chance to read it tomorrow, just read it on Thursday. It's my one and only mock draft. Uh, I decided this year to only do one because there's been so many changes. And as we talk right now, uh, there was a trade regarding the Seattle Seahawks, you know, and they traded Frank Clark and acquired another first-round pick. So this is why you only do one mock draft. And there's a very good chance he's going to have Cortland Sutton in the first round. Well, (laughs) I did last year, you know, and I I did. And, you know, this one's more chalk. uh, But at the same time, you know, there could be a couple surprises. But we have to look out for it. Uh, Gray's one and only mock draft uh, dropping tomorrow on ThoughtsFromTheBench.com. Take it for what it's worth, people. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of Heart of the Order. I'm Greg McAfee for Greg Malik and Dre Fry. See you guys later. Do you guys want to say bye? Oh, bye, guys. Live in la vida loca. <laughs> Night, guys. Night, guys.